Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. On today's episode of The Door Report, presented by Alaco Hardwood Flooring, Watson Brown, the former Vanderbilt football coach from 1986 to 1990, joins the show to talk about the Vanderbilt coaching candidates such as Jamie Chadwell, Clark Lee, and others. And we talk about the vision of Daniel Deermeyer and Candace Lee and the Vanderbilt leadership and where they should go in terms of a direction for their next head coach. We also talk about the possibility of Vanderbilt and Tennessee actually being played on Saturday. And if it does, what kind of a chance do the Commodores have in pulling off the upset at home over their in-state rival? We've got the interview with Watson Brown and much more, including a touch on the basketball game Sunday against Mississippi Valley State for Jerry Stackhouse and that squad. So we got all that and much more coming up right here on The Door Report, presented by Alaco Hardwood Flooring. Let's ride. Welcome into another episode of The Door Report, the premier Vanderbilt podcast in Music City. We are presented by Alaco Hardwood Flooring. No matter what style you're going for, you can trust your flooring job to Alaco Hardwood Flooring. Take a walk through the woods in your home every day and get your job started today by logging on to alacohardwoodflooring.com or you can email the founder, Jimmy Alaco. That's jimmyalaco at comcast.net. They are located right here in Nashville, Tennessee, so it's nice and easy for the locals. You can call 615-356-0303. That's 615-356-0303. Alaco Hardwood Flooring, perfect floors, whatever your style. Before we get to the interview with Watson Brown and the first breaking news segment, it's now time to send it over to Will Byram for a few words on the Recycling Dukes. You may ask, who are the Recycling Dukes? Well, they are brothers, Graydon and Chapman, and their dad, Drew Smith, who is a Metro Nashville firefighter. Living in West Mead, the Recycling Dudes recognized a need for a service that would take glass to the recycling for busy homeowners who care about our environment. They pick up your glass, separate it, and take it to be recycled. They offer monthly service as well as one-time party pickup. They have a variety of service levels to fit every budget and every need, starting as low as $10 per month. All you have to do is sign up on their website at RecyclingDudes.com. Welcome back into the Door Report. It is episode 55. It is Wednesday, December 9th. Welcome back in. We are, as always, presented by the great folks at Alaco Hardwood Flooring. Will Byram is my co-host per usual. He is in Nashville. We're both in the Nashville area, and we're getting set for Vanderbilt and Tennessee, hopefully, potentially, this Saturday. Will, we got a lot to talk about. Uh, you doing all right ahead of uh, rivalry week? Yeah, doing good. Got got shaved down to the mustache. We'll see how that goes the rest of the week. Um, got my rivalry or uh, rivalry week shirt on right now, so we might have to tweet out a picture of that later from the uh, Door Report Twitter. But just fingers crossed that game actually gets to get played. Yeah, we're gonna have to tweet that out because that's that's definitely an iconic shirt that I think I don't think a lot of people have. So we'll be sure to get that out there. And, and of course, the Shermer stash is rolling. So. We're pumped for rivalry rivalry week, if we can say it. Uh, the Vanderbilt Commodores and the Tennessee Volunteers are supposed to play on Saturday, 3 o'clock Central Time in Nashville on the SEC Network. And we will have Watson Brown, the former Vanderbilt and Tennessee Tech coach. He's been all around college football. The Brown family name obviously will ring a bell. He's uh, Mac Brown's brother. He will join the podcast a little bit later. We'll, we'll dive into the coaching search, some of the latest rumors surrounding the Vanderbilt coaching search, and obviously Dio Odangbo opting out before uh, the really the biggest game of the year for Vanderbilt. We'll talk about that and much more coming up here on the Door Report. But before we get to breaking news, don't forget to follow us on Twitter. That's at door underscore report. 
at Instagram, door.report. Like us on Facebook, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Our podcast is available on Anchor, iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. And while you're at it, go give our podcast five stars and a review on iTunes. All right, Will, we got Vanderbilt, Tennessee, as I mentioned, supposed to play on Saturday, 3 o'clock. But, Will, taking a look at that Vanderbilt depth chart, it's not looking good, especially defensively. I mean, offensively, you know, you would expect Vanderbilt to put a decent product out there. But defensively, they have one defensive end. That's Nate Clifton. They've got a couple corners playing outside linebacker. Will, I don't know if they play Saturday. I I mean, going off of what Todd Fitch said in the press conference and and in his coaches show and a lot of media appearances so far this week, he's confident it's going to play. It's going to be played. Um, But, you know, you got to wonder if the SEC might just step in and say, look, we can't do this. Yeah, I'm not sure what the actual number of scholarship players is. Some that that are available to play. Some said 45. Some said they're right somewhere around 43. Yeah. Yeah, and there's that threshold of scholarship players that the SEC requires. Um, I don't know if they'll hold to that line because of the extenuating circumstances of this season and that Vanderbilt has faced um, with opt-outs, with with the most notable being Dio Dangbo mm-hmm. um, opting out this week and, and putting out a statement on Twitter. It, and this is touching, before we touch on the actual depth chart, Dangbo was the only one, like I mentioned um, in the last podcast, I don't agree with the opting out from from any of these guys, except if you have um, NFL NFL potential in your future. Mm-hmm. At that point, it's a decision not about wanting to be out there playing. You have to really sit down and evaluate I can generationally set up my family, which which mm-hmm. potentially with a good NFL draft combine performance, I was going to be able to do. Um, and, and thinking about the fact that the only thing preventing him from that from being a top three round pick is likely getting injured in these last two games. Mm-hmm. So I liked that statement he put out, and and that was something really good to see. So or from him, but. Um, getting into gonna, the depth chart, I think the most telling thing on that defense, and you mentioned corners playing outside linebacker, was five foot eleven, one hundred and eighty-five pound um, starting Mahoney. quarterback Jalen Mahoney listed as an outside linebacker. If that's the case, that's going to completely limit that defensive scheme against a Tennessee team that has struggled in the passing game, but has actually been effective running the ball mm-hmm. um, with a pretty powerful offensive line and Eric Gray back there and, and a stable of backs behind him. So I'm on the fence whether or not this game is going to be played regardless of the quotes from Fitch because, you know, he's not going to go up there and be like, I don't know, maybe. He's going to go up there and say, we're going to play. These guys want to play. So I don't take too much from the comments of Fitch um, in that press conference regarding that game actually being played on on Saturday. Yeah, speaking of more comments from Fitch, though, he he had some encouraging words to say in the press conference. Obviously, I don't think you can take too much out of these. You know, he's supposed to be positive, but he did have an interesting quote. He said, the guys are rallied around themselves, understanding who's here, we're in, let's go. He said he's been pleased with the leadership. And he mentioned Andre Mintz really stepping up in his leadership role and saying he's proud of him. Um, Will, Obviously, with an interim head coach, a lot of times you do see a team rally around that coach and and rally it around the guys in the locker room. Right now, in this type of a situation with Vanderbilt, um, with having nearly 30 guys opt out since last year and the team is is, you know, is really kind of reeling right now. It'd be really interesting to see what kind of an energy and, and mindset they do play with right now. Will I'm, I'm teetering more towards this game's just going to happen. I, I, I think, I think the SEC is going to, you know, I don't, you know, the question is, can they jump in? You know, they, they have jumped in. They jumped in on Vanderbilt, Tennessee and said, no, we're not when we can't do this this week. Uh, but that was a postponement. They, they put a new game in there. So that, you know, I don't know if that could happen, but for Vanderbilt and Tennessee, I really think, you know, this is, it's now or never for, for this game. You know, it's kind of like, okay, let's get this game in so so we can, you know, move on with this season and Vanderbilt, you know, ends up playing Georgia next week. But diving back into the depth chart again, again, we mentioned offensively, the core is, is basically the same offensively, but taking a look at the O-line, Tyler Steen, left tackle, Dan Dawkins, left guard, Grant Miller, center, Connor Mignon, right guard, and Bradley Ashmore, right tackle. You don't see Birchmeyer, um, on, oh, you do see you do see Birchmeyer. Birchmeyer is back over uh, to offense, so he will mm-hmm. likely be playing both sides. So it's really going to be interesting to see will how Coach Coach Fitch mixes and match because you know he's going to have to. Yeah, the the funny thing when you look at that depth chart is the beginning of the year we we discussed the offensive line being so thin and and the opt outs, and that's why Birchmeyer had to transition over to offensive mm-hmm. line. 
um, after four years on the defensive line. But now he's flipped to the other side because now it's the other side of the ball that's yeah. that's the thinnest part of this team. So he he's really flip-flopped a lot this year. Um, I, I'm really on the fence about this game being played. I think if we don't hear anything by probably late Thursday, early Friday, then this game's going to be a go. Um, but this team's going to have to come out with an us-against-the-world mentality. And at Vanderbilt, um, Dari actually, when we interviewed him on episode 54, actually kind of discussed that, that, that at Vanderbilt it's not the glitz and the glam of, of other SEC. Got to earn it. But you kind of have to mesh with your teammates and just th- this is who we have, we're the guys, and, and go from there to win. And they're going to have to have that times 100 because it's not only opposing teams, but now you've had half the scholarship players either transfer or opt out um, or be out for the remainder of the season. So it's a really tough spot for these guys to be in. Um, but like you said, that offense is actually mostly intact. So we're going to have to see a pretty big game and production from Ken Seals, uh, Keon Henry Brooks, Cam Johnson, Chris Pierce. Those guys are really going to have to step up if Vanderbilt stands a chance against Tennessee on Saturday. Yeah, no doubt about it. And another uh, interesting thing here from the depth chart, Todd Fitch said that some players currently on the depth chart are questionable for Vanderbilt, Tennessee. So again, we, we, some of these guys that are on the depth chart, we may not even see them. So, um, but again, Will, it's really impressive to everyone on that depth chart as a coach, you got to be proud, you know, of just finishing the season and, and, and looking at your team and saying, yes, we're not in the best spot right now, but here's our guys. And, and, and we're going to go with, with this group and, and, and put out um, as good of a product as we can on Saturday. So again, we'll, we'll continue to preview Vanderbilt, Tennessee, We'll have a big preview podcast on Friday with a Tennessee guest uh, reporter on that. We'll announce that a little bit later in the week. But again, Vanderbilt, Tennessee set Saturday, 3 central time on the SEC network. We'll see if that game is actually played in Nashville. As we roll on, Will, men's basketball, just a quick note, the NC Central game that was supposed to be played on Friday night. But because of the postponement, the next scheduled game for the Commodores is against Mississippi Valley State. That'll be this Sunday afternoon at 2 p.m. on the SEC Network. Interesting tip-off. Will, quick question here, though, for this team. What's it been, about a week and a half, two weeks almost since this team has played? Mississippi Valley State is, is, is a cupcake of an opponent. They should win that game. But how much do you think this could impact them because they play – a very good opponent in um, in Richmond, it looks like, on Wednesday the 16th. Uh, Richmond's ranked. They beat Kentucky already. Um, how much do you think that could impact them against a team like that and then rolling into the early SEC play? Basketball is is the sport that I played growing up and, and all through my life, all the way up until my senior year of high school, and I was told they probably didn't want a six-foot white, 135-pound at that time <laughs> shooting guard at the next level. So, but basketball is unique and it's a game of rhythm and you see teams get hot inexplicably. I, I, it's kind of similar to baseball, but it's a little bit different and teams get in a rhythm together, start playing well together, and then they, they can perform well. And rust is a real thing different than football, even more so. I think that basketball, these long delays off are a big negative, especially earlier on in the season and even halfway through the season or later in it. Um, because the guys, you could kind of see it against Valparaiso at the beginning of the game. It, it They weren't performing well. And then you kind of saw them mesh and get into the flow of things kind of in that second half, halfway through the second half and start playing well. It, it's a good thing that they're not that hopefully that Mississippi Valley State game can be played on Sunday to have a tune up before they take on Richmond, who's ranked in the top 20 right now. Mm. So that'll be good to have that tune up and hopefully be able to get in the flow of the game. But it's also concerning that not only were the games postponed, but Vanderbilt basketball had stopped all activities due to mm-hmm. the COVID-19 situation yeah. there. So they weren't even a- able to get in the gym or, or be in practice. So that's going to create rust. And I wouldn't expect Vanderbilt to come out and shoot the lights out of the gym or, or play really in sync, even against an opponent that they should come out and handily um, beat. So it, it'll be interesting to watch and see how much of an impact that has on Sunday. Um, but it's kind of a wait and see thing at this point. Yeah, and, and especially right now with, with Vanderbilt, as you mentioned, pausing all activities, 
you'll have to, you might see, even see some changes of logistically Memorial gym with, you know, and even how uh, Vanderbilt uh, head coach, Jerry Stackhouse is coaching and, and, and in terms of just staying safe and healthy uh, because, you know, they obviously want to have a season. So we'll see what kind of changes they make within their program. The tip off is actually 1 PM central time. Um, again, one o'clock central time Sunday, Vanderbilt and Mississippi Valley state um, on Sunday. Will it should be, it should be a fun one. Yeah, we, we kind of discussed this in our group message that we have for the door report, but you're kind of seeing it across college basketball all the way across the country, no matter what conference or, or what level, whether it's the power five or, or you go into the more mid-major teams. So I, I'm a little bit confused on what the NCAA's plan to continue scheduling as usual was. Um, I kind of expected some type of round robin of local play of local teams because a lot of these schools have teams in the vicinity of them that they could put them in. I, I want to put it in quotation marks. You can't see me on the podcast, but a <laughs> bubble of sorts playing some type of round robin mm -hmm. the guys or the teams into a bubble for a week or two weeks, do the proper testing and play a sort of round robin here, here in the Nashville area alone, you could have Vanderbilt, TSU, MTSU, Belmont, Lipscomb, and you could extend that out further to schools like Tennessee Tech, Chattanooga, Austin P, um, Tennessee out east, ETSU, and have some sort of round robin with these schools locally. And you would think that would prevent exposure to the virus due to reduced amount of traveling um, and being able to do something kind of similar to a high school jamboree type setup mm -hmm. yeah. um, or some of those early season tournaments. So that, that's been something that's been surprising is – you kind of look at the NCAA and say, well, what did you expect to happen? Yeah, just the lack of planning on their part, you know, and I'm not sure how much planning they put into it. I know they do have um, a bubbleville at the Mohegan Sun where Vanderbilt was supposed to play, and they've played a lot of games there. Um, but we talked about it last podcast, Will. College basketball is just so – it's so broad, and it seems like, you know, this COVID-19 issue is just a lot more glaring on, on, on the part of college basketball. Obviously, it's an issue for football. But college basketball, it's almost like it just intensifies, and it's a different animal. So – we will see, uh, you know, I, I, that's a great idea. And, and again, I'm with you, Will, I, I, I would have thought they, they would have at least, you know, tried to, to do something in terms of that. And, you know, in terms of locally, the bubble front of things, uh, but we'll see what kind of impact a lot of these cancellations have. And speaking of, you know, more cancellations, hopefully they quit happening, uh, you know, around the country, but obviously for Vanderbilt, uh, they announced the tip times and television information um, for the SEC slate, and they will begin conference play at eight o'clock on December 30th against Florida at Memorial Gym. So this will be a big time uh, game for Vanderbilt, uh, second year under Jerry Stackhouse, playing a Florida team coached by Mike Whiting, and he always puts a good product out there. And another interesting note on the schedule, Will, 16 of the next 17 conference games for Vandy will be televised by the SEC Network. So you don't have to worry about uh, the channel for Vanderbilt. They do have the ESPN2. No games on ESPN as of right now. But again, with all these cancellations, it'll be interesting to see how many of those games they actually do get to play. So um, again, we'll continue to keep an eye on that. But Vanderbilt, Florida on December 30th. So the day before New Year's Eve, it'll be an interesting start to SEC play. Well, let's roll on here as we wrap up this first segment of the show before we hop into Watson Brown, the head coaching search. There have been a lot of, you know, rumors, differing reports from different um, Vanderbilt gurus, guys like Chris Lee, Robbie Weinstein, and even Barton Simmons as of, you know, this past you know week and in the past few days, there's been a lot going on that I don't know. You know, there's certain people that that are more in tune, you know, and, and actually are alive and well on the message boards. But you know, as of right now, you know, Chris Lee has has said he he was on the midday 180, and um, you know, he basically said I would be pretty surprised if Jamie Chadwell isn't the guy at Vanderbilt. And, and I think a lot of Vandy fans got really excited. They, they started getting excited at Chadwell's our guy. And Chris Lee has, has been the most reliable source, you know, for Vanderbilt information for a long, long time. Um, and then you started to see kind of a halt and, and, and you know, differing reports, footballscoop.com uh, came out with uh, some, some information. And, and it was really interesting to look at this, Will, because Per sources with direct knowledge, this is from Football Scoop, Vanderbilt on Sunday interviewed Notre Dame defensive coordinator and former Vanderbilt player Clark Lee for its opening on Sunday. So they interviewed him on Sunday reportedly. We don't know. Um, my guess is they already interviewed Jamie Chadwell, Will. Um, 
but uh, apparently um, a source connected to the search told Football Scoop that Vanderbilt is far more interested in making the right hire than in making a quick decision. And they also said that it would be premature to indicate that Vanderbilt already zeroed in on a candidate. So football scoop really came in on Vanderbilt fans and, and put a damper uh, on their excitement. But well, it's, it's kind of an, we're, we're kind of in wait and see mode right now. Yeah. We had the quote from Chris Lee from the midday 180 when he interviewed with them about the Vanderbilt coaching search. Then he said, I would be pretty surprised if Jamie Chadwell isn't the guy at Vanderbilt. And I think that got a lot of Vanderbilt fans on top of the message board rumors and everything uh, excited that Vanderbilt had found their guy uh, with a good amount of time ahead of signing day. Um, and, and you kind of had the people snooping in on who's following who on Twitter. And by God, we're in the <laughs> middle of middle of coaching season when, when you're tracking plane flights and you're seeing who follows yeah. who on Twitter and what tweets they're liking. So you're kind of grasping at straws and anything you can at this point. But the Parker Executive Search, that's the firm that's leading mm-hmm. um, the search for can- head coaching candidates. Uh, they said that they had this Vanderbilt has discussed per sources from footballscoop.com that they discussed um, the opening and made plans to discuss the vacancy with three coaches, Coastal Carolina's Jamie Chadwell, Charlotte's Will Healy, and Army's, please, I don't want him, please Jeff Monken. So you'd also had Jeff Fisher, Bill O'Brien. They expressed interest in the job, but Vanderbilt doesn't seem to have reciprocated that interest. A little bit of um, Bill O'Brien action. Yeah, a little Bill O'Brien. We can get two very average NFL head coaches in there if we want to. <laughs> Um, and then also Lance Leopold from, or Leopold, I'm probably mm-hmm. uh, destroying that name from Buffalo expressed interest in the job. And right now Buffalo is sitting at four and oh on top of that Mac conference. So that's a name we hadn't really thrown in there, but we did run a poll on the door report. A couple of them mm-hmm. going back to the Tennessee game. We ran if fans thought that that game would be played and it was 76% said no at the yeah. point we tweeted that out. And, and about 24 hours ago, we put out three names that seemed to be getting a lot of buzz. Who do you think? Not who do you want? ends up being the next head coach of the Commodores. And 56.6% of the 260 respondents said Jamie Chadwell, 29% Clark Lee, 5% Healy, and 7.8% others. So Commodore fans are, are pretty confident that that Jamie Chadwell is going to be the next guy. And I was at one point, but now seeing things from multiple uh, different sources saying that Vanderbilt has not um, zero down on a candidate yet is a little bit, little bit disheartening, but it's, it's another one of those things. There's never been a coach or too many sources before a coach is actually hired where the coach comes out and says, yep, I accepted the job right in the yeah. middle of the season. So he's going to say anything like how Franklin did back right before he left saying, I'm committed to staying here. I see success with this program, yada, yada, yada. Mm-hmm. Um, pretty much saying anything to keep keep the players and fans bought in and, until he officially makes makes the leave because Vanderbilt's going to hire someone um, and, and none of them are going to say that they're the guy until they've officially signed those papers and they're being announced at the press conference. So it, it'll be interesting to keep an eye on, but there really hasn't been much substantiated um, claims outside of multiple anonymous sources of, of really where this coaching search is at. Yeah, and I like to look at, you know, some of the comparisons and you look at another SEC school, South Carolina, they hired Shane Beamer and obviously he's at Oklahoma right now. He 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 went over to campus, you know, he 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 coached South Carolina um, under Coach Spurrier when they played Alabama, the SEC championship back in 2010. So he's a he's a Columbia guy. Um, but and, and he, you know, he's coaching Oklahoma. He traveled, he flew all the way over, had his press conference, and now he's back at Oklahoma. So that's kind of a comparison in where South, South Carolina is with the process and where Vanderbilt is. Now, Vanderbilt could be in a totally different spot than we think they are. They could have already verbally agreed with a coach. They're just waiting on the official announcement. Hopefully, you know, that'd be a nice spot to be in. Um, but right now, we'll I'm with you. I got really excited with Jamie Chadwell coming from Chris Lee in the midday 180. Uh, But then, uh, you know, a couple of days later, you got football scoop coming in. who's usually pretty reliable and it just kind of put a pause on things. So again, we will see where this goes. This is an interesting quote I'm about to tell you, Will, and, and all the listeners from football scoop. This one really hit me. This is coming from a prominent SEC assistant coach. In quote, Vanderbilt just needs to hire Clark Lee and get the damn thing done. He's a perfect fit there. Wow. I mean, I, I saw that and, and 
you know, I, I, I'm not disagreeing with whoever that coach is. Um, and, and we said it earlier, Will, I'm more of a Chadwell guy, and I would love to have Jamie Chadwell um, come excite the Vanderbilt fan base. But an interesting proponent, Will, is, as we wrap up this first segment, is Jamie Chadwell coached Charleston Southern, and they played at Vanderbilt and only lost by one. So he had a great program there, but he also had 18 of his wins vacated there. Um, because of, you know, some issues he had with the NCAA, we won't go too deep into that, but an interesting thing to keep an eye on will, because with Vanderbilt's vetting process, you would think that, you know, they would want to have everything cleared up and, and, you know, who knows how much of an issue that is, um, you know, that, that it still remains to be, but just something to keep an eye on Mr. Byram as, as we go forward here um, again, Jamie Chadwell, Clark Lee, Will Healy are our guys. And we'll continue to monitor it. Hopefully, you know, Friday for the preview show against Tennessee, um, you know, we'll, we'll see a new coach. I'll say this, Will. Daniel Deemreyer and Candace Lee, they need to make the announcement before the 16th, which is the beginning of the early signing period, because if not, Vanderbilt's going to be way behind the eight ball. Yeah, that's I was actually hoping hoping you would mention something about that or I was going to mention it before we wrapped up this first segment is that's going to be so huge for this team who has so many transfers and opt outs reloading that roster. Um, hopefully, whatever coach they can end up uh, end up filling that role with is able to bring over some new recruits as well as maintain a majority of the class they currently have. And that's going to end a lot on having this announcement made before that early signing period and have giving those recruits a chance. Mm-hmm. kind of get a feel for what the new head coach and, and it, who the next head coach is going to be and what the staff is going to look like. Cause a lot of these guys have, have a majority of the time communicated with their position coaches, coordinators, et cetera. So just as important as that head coach hire is going to be um, kind of seeing how much movement is going to happen within that, within that staff is also going to be a major key in keeping some of these key recruits that you have in the 2021 class to reload a roster that's really, really depleted right now at this point. And will you, you think uh, Coastal Carolina's director of player personnel, Colton Korn following every Vanderbilt recruit uh, means anything? I think it certainly means on Twitter. More, it means more than nothing. So he he also uh, followed the door report as well. So we'll yes, see. he did, and so did we'll their see. running backs coach. We got yeah, a couple well, follows from some Coastal Carolina coaches, and it's very interesting. Yeah, I think it's, it's I think it's something to watch. on there. Yeah. I think I used the quote when the when I was tracking the Jet in an article that said, "If it walks like a duck and it quacks like a duck, <laughs> probably a duck." So yep. it, it would be a pretty big coincidence if that came out with Chris Lee. Um, having his sources that that he would be pretty surprised if Jamie Chadwell wasn't the guy. And then all of a sudden you see one of his assistants that will likely be coming over with him following Vanderbilt recruits, following mm-hmm. Vanderbilt news outlets. So you real interesting. There's there's development, but it seems like even if it's not Chadwell or or whoever it's going to be, that that the ball is kind of rolling and we should should hear a lot more news and rumors coming up over the next week or so. Yeah, we should hear it very soon. We should hear it very soon within, you know, I'm not going to say anything before the end of this week, but definitely next week, you know, mid next week, because that's, you know, the 16th will we'll be approaching. You should start hearing some news on the Vanderbilt coaching front. Chadwell, Lee or Healy, who's it going to be? Seems like it's a little lightsaber fight right now between Clark Lee and Jamie Chadwell. Uh, it really funny tweet from Bruno Reagan, uh, if any of you guys missed it. But, um, but yeah, we'll, we're going to roll in now. Um, again, really wish you could be on this one, uh, but it's going to be fun. Watson Brown, he is a legendary Tennessee Tech head coach. He's born and raised in Cookville. He also coached uh, at Vanderbilt. He was offensive coordinator there as well. So um, it's going to be fun. Definitely wish you could be here, Will. Uh, but again, in your honor, I'll, I'll do my best to, uh, to, to uh, impress, impress you. <laughs> yeah, I'm very disappointed. This is probably the, the most disappointed I am to miss an interview just with the connections randomly that I have with Watson Brown. I mean, he coached at Tennessee Tech, which is where I went to school. And, yeah, and you're a Tennessee school. Tech guy. Yeah, and then Van- coached at Vanderbilt. And then his brother was also the principal at my high school um, the entire mm. time I was there. So I have a lot of, a lot of, a lot of connections, connections with Brown. So, so I'm looking forward. I'll be uh, looking forward to listen, listening to that one along with everyone else when, once you finish up that interview is uh, this second segment. No doubt. It's going to be fun to get Watson Brown on the show. And, and, and for segment one, I'm Billy Derrick alongside Will Byram. We got Watson Brown, former Vanderbilt and Tennessee Tech head coach, coming right up here on the Door Report.
Watson Brown now joins the door report. You could say coaching runs in the Brown family. His brother, Mac Brown, was the head coach at Texas, won a national championship with the Longhorns, and of course, he's now coaching North Carolina, and his grandfather, Eddie Jelly Watson, was a legendary prep football coach at Cookville High School. Watson was born and raised in Cookville. He was a talented baseball, football, and basketball player at Cookville High. He signed with Vanderbilt at a high school Standout quarterback for the Commodores from 1969 to 1972. He's best remembered by many Commodore fans for leading Vandy to a 14-10 victory over Coach Bear Bryant in Alabama in 1969. He also served as the offensive coordinator at Vanderbilt for two seasons from 81 to 82. His offense at Vanderbilt, led by Witt Taylor at quarterback, set 57 school records. They finished 8-3 8-3 in 1982, and they earned a berth in the Hall of Fame Bowl against Air Force. And then later in 86 through 1990, Brown was the head coach at Vanderbilt, his alma mater. And then he decided to come home, take over the Tennessee Tech football program in 2006. Five years later, he led Tech to its first OVC title in 36 years. He's been coaching college football, retired now, but he did coach for 43 years He's one of the most innovative offensive minds in football. He's now a co-host on the George Plaster Show on 560 WNSR. Listen, Monday through Friday, 2 to 4 p.m. Watson Brown joins me now. Coach, how you doing? And I'm doing great. I hope you are. Doing well and, and really hoping that uh, Vanderbilt and Tennessee can, can get this game on Saturday, 3 o'clock on the SEC Network. We'll talk about that one a little bit later here uh, in the interview. But I want to start off, you know, early in your football career, you know, as a high schooler and then on through Vanderbilt. Uh, why why do you think football is so important to your family? You know, obviously with, you know, your brother Mac doing great things now in North Carolina and, and you know, obviously, you know, just running in the family. What, what, what kind of an impact has football, you know, starting at a young age had on your life? Mm-hmm. high school coach here in Cookville, and, and it just was, it was in our blood, I, I, from all the way through, there's not much we could do about it, really, <laughs> and we played all the other sports, too, and and uh, baseball was probably my favorite of all, to tell you the truth, but, but football was always there, Mac always wanted to coach, mm-hmm. I, I had never thought about coaching, and when I got hurt at Vanderbilt and couldn't play anymore, I got to hanging around the offices of Steve Sloan and, and uh, as a student coach and then as a graduate assistant and and then just started that way. So Mac and I were different in a thought process, but at the same time, we, we both ended up in the same profession. Yeah, we're talking with Watson Brown, a former Vanderbilt and Tennessee Tech football coach. You also, um, at Vanderbilt, you know, what What was it like playing in that kind of an era? Because you look at it at the eras right now, the, the offenses and really defenses as well are, are completely different. So, you know, back back in, in your playing era and even coaching eras, what were some of the focuses that, you know, as a, as a player and as a coach that you guys were thinking of and preparing for, you know, in terms of other teams that a lot of the coaches aren't even thinking of right now um, that you can think of, you know, from your playing days, especially at Vanderbilt um, in the SEC during a time like that. Um, you know, I mean, you know, you, you played against Bear Bryant at Alabama, you know, one of the greatest coaches ever. Um, so, so just that playing in that era, what, what was that like as a player? Well, it was in that era, it was more of um, option-oriented football. Mm-hmm. A lot of people were running the wishbone. Uh, we ran uh, the split back there at Vanderbilt in my sophomore year. And, and so it was just a different style, Billy. I, I think that in preparation, um, the, the wishbone was the one that was so hard that, to prepare for in those days. It was a new offense, and... and um, more and more teams started going to it as time went on. Texas was the first I remember to do it. And mm-hmm. then Alabama just uh, basically went to them, copied it, and, and yeah. won them a lot of national championships. But it was it was, it was was more power football. You weren't spread out like we are, are in today's world. And in the early 80s is when you started seeing that happen. That's what we did at Vanderbilt in the early 80s. And 
Stanford, there was a few of us that started really spreading out and throwing the ball, and that was really the start. Mm-hmm. And then in the 90s, the no-huddle stuff kind of came into play. And uh, and so it's just kept progressing from there. But in, in the 60s and 70s, much more power-type football. And um, 12, 15, if you threw it 20 times, you threw it a lot in those days. No doubt about it. And especially right now, uh, you mentioned you know the veer and the triple option. Um, it's looking like that's what Coastal Carolina has been running. They got a, a, a mix of it right now. I don't know if you got a chance to watch BYU Coastal Carolina and, and head coach Jamie Chadwell is, is obviously, you know, a lot of people's front runner at Vanderbilt. What kind of what kind of a coaching style do you think he'd bring over to Vanderbilt? Because you're looking at it right now at Coastal Carolina, not quite sure he could do the th- same things at Vanderbilt with, with that offensive skill set he has. But in Jamie Chadwell, what do you see in him? And then maybe potentially what he could do at Vandy? Well, just his style of offense is a little different. It's more like the Georgia Southerns. They were the mm-hmm. first I remember to do a lot of that. The guy at Tulane, Willie Fritz, does a lot of that still today. Uh, there's a few of those guys out there that are basically running triple option football from the gun. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's still a spread offense. I, I think it, it would work in the SEC. Uh, you've got to recruit to it, uh, and you you have to be able to throw the ball very well with it, in my opinion. You can't be a 10, 12, 15-time uh, pass guy and, and win in the SEC, in mm-hmm. my opinion. So they're going to... Uh, in, in the SEC football today, Billy, to me, uh, you, you've got to score 30 points to win games. And mm-hmm. that's, that's what it is now. The, the fast-paced offenses, no huddles. The games are longer. You're playing 80 plays instead of 60 now. And well, while you're playing 80 plays, you've got to score points because the other side's going to score points. And as Nick Saban had said earlier this year, he said it's, it, it's amazing how it's changed you're winning with first offense in today's world. And then 10 years ago, you were winning with defense first in the SEC. And, and that's why I think if he brings that style, if that's who they end up hiring, he brings that style to Vanderbilt. I think he'll need to learn to throw it a little more maybe than he is in the Sunbelt Conference now. Yeah, and he'll have a quarterback to do that with Ken Seals, you know, uh, considering he brings him in and, and Ken decides to stay at Vanderbilt. Going over to a different type of guy, you mentioned the offensive mindset, a little bit more of a defensive mindset that would be brought in would be from Clark Lee. He's a Nashville guy, went to NBA, played at Vanderbilt. A lot of Vanderbilt fans, I think, are intrigued by that. Um, you know, but he's never been a head coach, uh, but he, he's he's around a, a college football playoff type of team right now with Notre Dame, and he's got that defense playing really, really well right now. So Watson, um, you know, for, for, from your perspective, uh, you know, as a retired coach, what kind of um, an energy and, and, and style of play could, could Clark Lee, a uh, Nashville native, bring to Vandy? Well, with him being a defensive guy, Billy, I think he, his most important hire would be his offensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. And, and in the coordinator that you hire, what philosophically do you want to do at Vanderbilt and then go find a coordinator to fit that? And, and uh, what he brings to the table is he's a Vanderbilt guy. And there hadn't been a lot of us through the years that <laughs> Vanderbilt and coached at Vanderbilt. And he, he will know a lot of the inner workings of the university, mm-hmm. some of the issues students go through and football players go through, well-known name and playing at NBA and, and I think it was NBA. Yep. And, uh, and in the city and then going to Vanderbilt. So I, I, I think he brings a lot to the table, but I think that uh, when, when they interview him, I can promise you the first question asked is, what are you going to do on offense and who would you bring with you to run that offense? Yeah, and Candace Lee, Vanderbilt's athletic director, ha- has said in her press conference that you know she wants more offensive-oriented, but it's not a deal-breaker. Um, you know, if to, to, to bring in, you know, a guy like Clark Lee, uh, as long as he brings in, as you mentioned, Watson, that offensive guy. Watson, you touched on Vanderbilt and, and, and you know, kind of the inner workings of, of not only the athletic program, but the university. Um, you got some new leadership now with Daniel Deermeyer, and, and I mentioned Candace Lee, the athletic director. In this coaching search, what 
uh, not only the coach, but but what do they need to be focusing on right now in order to bring that coach in and really start to change the culture? And because right now, Watson, there, there's it's not a rebuild. This is a build. W- would you agree? Mm-hmm. They they they've got to redo everything as far as football, in my opinion. And the way I break that down, Billy, I think there's some quick things they've got to do. Uh, in my opinion, if I'm if I'm being interviewed right now, the first thing I would want is is money. You get what you pay for, it. and I would want a lot of money to be able to put in assistant coaches. I would want a lot of money to, and, and however many the NC2 electric hire. You need recruiters. I'm not talking about coaches have to be the ones that recruit on the road, but I'm talking about people in the building that are finding players from six in the morning until six at night, and that's all they do. And you you need a bunch of those people scouring across the country because you can't regionally recruit at Vanderbilt. You've got to go national. Mm-hmm. Uh, academically, makes you do that and. And you've got to go find the guy that fits Vanderbilt. And it takes, to me, if I'm a coach, that's the first thing I do. I put recruiters all through that building. And uh, all they're doing is watching video and calling coaches and and taking all of these lists from all of these five-star, four-star, three-stars. You've got to recruit five-stars and four-stars, Billy, but you're going to win and lose with three-stars. You're not going to get a ton of those, but you got you got to go after them. And you might get one here and one there. So you got to, it, it takes a bigger pool to me at Vanderbilt being a private school in the SEC. Uh, I would put my money in those things immediately, and immediately I would redo that dressing room, weight room. Basically what they have now there is what we built when I was there in the 80s. <laughs> and uh, uh, to be very honest, that's what's still there today. And uh, those things are the quick fixes. Mm-hmm. Then the big money is going to be redoing stadium and all the things around it. But immediately, the, the coach needs those things, in my opinion. And if I'm interviewing for that job, those are the things I immediately ask for. And a guy I look at right now, Watson, is Matt Campbell over to Iowa State. And he had an interesting quote. It was after uh, you know a big victory last weekend. He said, you know, we're not winning with five-star guys right now, but we're winning with a five-star culture. And, and that reminds me of, of, of what James Franklin had built at Vanderbilt because, you know, his first year there w- was obviously tough. Yeah, they ended up playing in, in, in the Liberty Bowl, but, you know, three three bowl games at, at a school like Vanderbilt, you know, in a row is, is something special. So for Vanderbilt to get back to that, Watson, you touched on it a little bit, but in terms of of direction of a of a head coach, it, it, a lot of people have been saying Clark Lee is that guy that that will stay there. He'll dedicate his career there. He's a Nashville guy, wants to go back home. Jamie Chadwell um, could be more of a dynamic candidate, be there more of kind of like a James Franklin um, era. So right now for you, Watson, I guess what I'm asking is. Who, who's your guy? Who's your number one coach right now? If you've ever wrote your first call, and, and, and really what are you saying to him in terms of, all right, here's what we'll give you um, and, 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 and in order to providing him you know everything he needs? I think they've got some good names. I'll go two ways with you, Billy, first. The first thing to me is you've got to bring a guy in. And I'm not as hung up on staying or not staying. Let's just get winning again and, and mm-hmm. get going. And... and uh, the names that are there are all good. I personally like Jeff Fisher. I, I think that one, I would mm-hmm. throw him in the list myself because he's in Nashville. He's very well known. He would excite the community again, and I don't think if, if he got it going, he would go anywhere either. But when they bring this coach in, there's another piece of this to me that's very important. And uh, I think they, that I saw a, a, an article where they were talking about Franklin era and the mm-hmm. two years that were good. And those two years that we were pretty good, we beat only four teams with a winning record. Mm-hmm. And two of those were eight and five, and two of those were seven and six. So you, you've got to be smart in scheduling, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. You need to go with the Coach Snyder route at Kansas State. You've got eight conference games that are that are tough. We can see that now. We're, we're <laughs> over in the conference as it is today. 
And we need to make sure those non-conference games are winnable games. I'm not talking about just gifts, but winnable football games. And I would have three of the four at home every year. I would, And if there's some i got to buy out to get to that, I'd fix that schedule right now. Because if you win those four games, let's say you have three, uh, two at home that are home games always, and then you have a home-and-home home with two others, mm-hmm. and that means that three of the four would always be in Nashville. Really, you win those four games, and you win, you go two and six in the SEC, you're in a bowl. Yep. That's exactly what happens some, to be very honest. And once you've done that, and now it keeps getting a little better, then all of a sudden we, went, we go three and four, or three, excuse me, three and five. Then all of a sudden we're four and four. Then all of a sudden we're, we're in Atlanta. Five and three. I remember in 1982, I think that's what we were. Mm-hmm. Right? We were five and three, and that's one of the best teams in Vanderbilt history. Yeah. And yet we were still five and three in the SEC that year. I think we lost to Alabama close to Georgia and somebody else, I think. I can't remember now. Maybe it was four and two we were. You didn't play as many games yeah. in those days. Uh, but schedule to me is very important here early to get an attitude back of winning and let these kids taste it. When you win games stuck in there with the SEC, Billy, you're staying healthy, you're getting a positive attitude, you're getting to play more people to get experience to deepen your team. There's a lot that comes from that, and I just think that is if I'm AD, that's the first thing I do. I watch myself. Now, as the team gets better, then you can then you can expand that. But you got you can't just throw it out there and put it all on the coach. You've got to do a lot of stuff to help this coach. Yeah, well, we talked about scheduling this season. Oh, it's been quite the crapshoot in terms of getting these games in. And, and with Vanderbilt and Tennessee, we'll see whether or not they play on Saturday. It's supposed to kick off 3 o'clock on the SEC Network in Nashville at Vanderbilt Stadium. It'll be family and close friends allowed, um, limited capacity there at Vanderbilt. But, Watson, two questions here. One, do you think this game gets played on Saturday? And two, considering it does – what kind of uh, a, a performance could we expect for Vanderbilt? Because it is rivalry week, and Vanderbilt, Tennessee, obviously don't like each other. Well, I, I never had a problem with my teams with, with playing Tennessee. The respect back then, Tennessee was real good in my time there. And when I was the offensive coordinator, we knocked Tennessee off when they were really good that mm-hmm. year, too. But the, the kids love playing Tennessee. It's it's. I don't know that it's hate, but it's there's a burning desire to win that game. Mm-hmm. And they, they will give everything they got. It, it's hard. They're, they're down so many in numbers. They had so many kids opt out. They've had so many. They've had some injuries. They've, they've dealt with the COVID on top of that. Uh, I think, Billy, it's still 50-50 if this game comes off. And, I, and unless Tennessee messes it up, I think it'll be tough to beat them. They, they don't have near the number of opouts and injuries and everything that Vanderbilt does. But I know this, when that game's lined up and played and the black and gold and the orange and white get out against each other, you never know what might go down. And Vanderbilt in recent years has won, won quite a few of those games while Tennessee has been struggling. They sure have, and and with this rivalry, I want to stick on it here with as we wrap this up, Watson. Vanderbilt Tennessee rivalry. Obviously, you had two thousand five when the the streak ended with Jay Cutler completing it to Earl Bennett. You know, definitely one of the best memories with Vanderbilt, and and then you know they returned home to beat Tennessee for the first time in a long time. I think it was twenty fourteen. Um, but with, with this rivalry, Watson, how much do you think it has shifted in the past decade or so? With, with even you know starting in two thousand five with that win, and then James Franklin taking over and saying, "Hey, we're not their little brother anymore. You know, we're going to compete here." And then you've seen it with Derek Mason, as you mentioned. So, have you? How much of a shift have you seen in Tennessee's respect for Vanderbilt and, and overall with this rivalry?
decently solid here and there, and and Tennessee's really been down until that program really gets itself back to where it was for a long, long time. I think the the, the game is going to stay in a win lose mode, and um, so it's really I think as much on Tennessee side. But now it, it, with Vanderbilt, it's going to be real interesting. We have a new chancellor. Mm-hmm. It'll be interesting, no doubt. We'll see, again, who they hire and, and what kind of a, a team they put out there next season. I want to wrap it up, though, Watson, with a basketball question. Uh, obviously, Jerry Stackhouse, you got him here in year two. They're supposed to play Sunday at 1 o'clock against uh, Mississippi Valley State. But for this team, they got a big game uh, Wednesday against Richmond, who already beat Kentucky. And then they'll play Florida to open up the SEC slate. Right now with this team, Watson, what do you think we can expect from them? Because obviously, they should be a lot better than last season after those three wins. But in terms of Vanderbilt basketball, where they are as a program and, and their national you know, recognition, respect, you know, the amount of respect they still get, where, where do you think they are in, in, in terms of, of a respect factor, not only in the SEC, but, but nationally? Mm-hmm. really good. I, I, many, many times have I been in Memorial Gym where you couldn't get in. Oh, man. Uh, students lined up out the streets just trying to get in the door and just packed houses and a great atmosphere. Yeah. And, and that's been gone. And everybody tells me that Coach Stackhouse has put together a much better team. I hope it is because if there's one thing, the our baseball has always been good at Vanderbilt mm-hmm. and now really good. Uh, when I was there, we played for the SEC championship um, and, and my senior year when I was when I was on the team. It's always been good. Vanderbilt basketball has been the bell cow forever, and mm-hmm. we have got Billy to get that back. That is so important to Vanderbilt athletics, and, and um, I, I'm pulling for Coach Stackhouse so hard. And everybody tells me it's going to be a much better year. Now, I don't know that we're top echelon in the league yet, but the way I'm listening to people on the inside talk, I think this could be a surprise year, and we we could beat a lot more people than expected. We'll see what kind of year Stackhouse has, and I completely agree with you, Watson. When basketball is on top, you know, top five of the SEC, Vanderbilt, it's just a better overall feeling because I think, you know, baseball obviously is a bell cow now, but they're right behind baseball and in terms of, you know, putting putting butts in the seats and, and, and you know, feeling proud about Vanderbilt University again. So, um, you know, hopefully we can. Hopefully, we, again, you, you got a good season coming up here for Stackhouse. But, Watson, thank you so much for doing this and, um, you know, have fun with Plaster on the show and the rest of this week and uh, and have a good time uh, with your football weekend and and uh, see if Matt can finish the season strong over at UNC. Yep, he's got a tough one with Miami this weekend, yep. so we'll see what he does. But Billy, thanks for having me on. I'd love to do it and be glad to do it whenever you need me. All right, thanks a lot, Watson. Ha- have a good one, my friend.